0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special national championship after show edition of Wavelengths. I'm Stephen Hymers. Once again, Ethan Rose is with me. Theo Backman, a very special appearance by X. Not the game we were expecting or hoping for X as the first time guest. I want to hear how you thought this game played out.
1: I just want to know if Jalen Sugg's back's okay because he carried this team tonight and it was ridiculous how Gonzaga came out so flat. I understand why everyone will tell you, oh, it's the shot, but, you know, come on, people have to understand that they had a few days of rust. They knew that they were going to come out a little bit slower. This is basketball. So they had to prepare for that and they didn't. And look, Mark Few is a fantastic coach, but this is going to be his legacy and that's kind of unfortunate. It's unfortunate that his legacy is going to be he never got over the hump because I don't know if he's ever going to get back there again. This, in my opinion, was his best team that he's ever had. And, look, going against Baylor, Baylor was way too athletic. You saw that all night long. That was clearly the difference in this game, I believe, was just the athleticism difference and Baylor's ability to really just play 3 and D basketball. That's the name of the game now. Hit threes and play D, and they were able to do that. So, yeah, that's just kind of my immediate gut reactions after this game. I don't- I'd like
2: to comment, I don't think this is Mark Fuse's last shot. While Mark Fuse just absolutely is atrocious in the po- uh, the uh, the postseason, I mean, he is getting the number one prospect most likely this year in Chet Holmgren. There, while this was a – he does tend to fail, especially in moments like these. I don't think he's going away, especially not next year. Oh, I don't think his,
1: he's going away. I definitely don't think he's going away. I just think this is his best – or this was, excuse me, his best shot. I put a lot of this loss
3: on few I think they straight up got out schemed and Baylor didn't do anything exotic they were just running simple pick and roll they were getting the bigs to switch onto the guards and that's just what Baylor did all game and Gonzaga didn't do anything to change it up in fact they did worse things they started running out two big lineups and putting two dopey bigs out there Timmy couldn't put, put guard the guards they put the other guy out there you have to do something to get your your Suggs and, and Ayai get them running under this, the screens and they just made no adjustment. And it was that simple. Baylor got whatever shot they wanted all night and it was just out of base sets of pick and
0: roll. So I put a lot of this loss on Mark Few. Yeah, and this speaks to what Ethan, Theo, and I've been saying the whole tournament. All these teams that have gotten upset have gotten off to atrocious starts. And really the tempo had to be there from the beginning. And like we said last time, Gonzaga hadn't played from behind very often. The only time that they did the entire year was Saturday and tonight. Saturday, obviously, they pulled it out, like you said, X, largely because of Jalen Suggs. But tonight, they didn't have the juice right away, and it wound up costing them, playing behind, and Baylor just dominating, winning this game wire to wire. So I, I think Mark Few will be back in a similar situation But I think that the doors creeped open a little bit on maybe, you know, down the line, can he get the big one? And it's not going to happen this year.
1: It doesn't help that Gonzaga was built primarily for this year, right? Because you have Cody, who is a senior, who for my money was one of the top three, if not the best shooters in all of college basketball. Like that guy's release is filthy, he's going to be something good in the NBA, regardless, even if he's Ryan Anderson 2.0, he has a place in the league. And then as far as Drew Timmy, kind of an old school guy, really strange. He has the, you know, handlebar mustache going on, whatever. But, you know, he can play. Like, even though he looks a little silly, he can play basketball. He's a good player. Then, of course, Jalen Suggs kind of tied it all together and was kind of the leader of this group. And then you had some glue guys around it to make this team what they were. But my whole thing is – Is Gonzaga, primarily Mark Few, going to reach this point again where he has kind of everything going right at once? I don't care if you get three top five recruits, whatever. It it seems like this team had a perfect balance of kind of that upperclassman regimen mixed with that new guy and Jalen Suggs who could really take them to another level. He's gone. Timmy's gone. Kispert's gone. What's going to happen when all those three guys leave and they were such a huge – of this team being where they were. That's concerning to me. I
2: mean, if you look at their 2018
1: run, where they
2: almost got there, except they lost to the UNC in the end, they didn't really have that
1: many big name guys, especially guys that are still. No, yeah. They, they, they kind of the put it all together. They weren't like super star power there. It was like
3: Karnowski, Williams, Goss, like guys you don't hear from the guys that aren't in the league.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to get to what these guys look like at the next level, but for my money, Jalen Suggs is going to be in the league for a long time. Like that guy, percent. I mean, his ferocity is unmatched. Because look, I, I think Bill Simmons was talking about this, and I completely agree with him. You can have all these guys score 20 points. I could care less if you could just shoot the ball nowadays. It's what else can you do? If you watch Jalen Suggs play basketball, he's always face guarding his opponent, which is extremely hard to do for those that don't really understand that, oh, that guy does he's,
3: everything on the basket yeah he,
1: play. he's, he's playing 100 defense the entire time he makes these hockey assists look easy he sees the core better than for my money some other nba vets see the core he's that talented this is a really good player now his scoring ability as far as him being able to get a bucket when some guys draped all over them that's a little concerning to me but i think that comes with time because he is what 18 19 mm. years old that, that comes with time he's still really young but I think he reminds me of kind of a more refined, a little bit different version of Alonzo Ball. And I think he'll have that kind of place in this league where he is like that. And then as far as the other guys, I think Kisper is going to be at absolute worst, a role player that comes off the bench, kind of like a Duncan Robinson-esque kind of guy. who just comes in and shoots a hell of a lot of threes. And he can play some de- decent defense too. And then as far as Timmy, who knows, maybe he'll get a you know acting career or whatnot. But Timmy will probably find his way in the league somewhere too. So unlike that team that Ethan was talking about, he was right, that this team has a lot more firepower than the 2018 one. So this is going to be a little bit harder to replace.
3: I'm interested to see, though, kind of if this shifts college basketball, because Gonzaga plays like your traditional college basketball team, whereas Baylor's approach, I think, is more like an NBA team. They shoot a lot of threes. They run a lot of pick and roll. They have several guys that handle the ball. And they storm their way through the tournament, and I think the way they play is pretty similar to the 2008 Villanova team, who also stormed their way through the tournament. So, I, like, I'm interested to see if more teams kind of start to run this more NBA style offense, where they're jacking up a ton of threes, as as opposed to the uh, the Gonzaga style of basketball, which is a, a lot of you know passing, cutting, ball movement, working it into the post, getting post touches.
2: And I feel like this Baylor team is special just because – just in that way. I mean, coming into the tournament, they were first in three-point percentage. This isn't a team that just came in hot and then started their run in the tournament they came in ready to play and if you if you look at their two losses during the season against Kansas against Oklahoma State their losses really weren't because they weren't ready to play against Kansas they were just coming off their big COVID pause they barely they barely beat Iowa State that same week and against Oklahoma State they were going up against a Cade, Cade Cunningham who was on fire at that time I don't really think that – I feel like this Baylor team was looked over a little bit coming into this tournament just because of those two losses. And also a lot of people really doubted their ability to maintain the three ball coming in and throughout the tournament.
1: I know I did because they live and die by that three. And in that Oklahoma State game, they shot six for 28 from three. So that was an obvious concern of my part. If they got in kind of this duel with the Gonzaga, with, with the Michigan, whoever they ran into, how would they be able to respond? I thought if they went cold, I wasn't sure – what end of their offense would come out because look this team doesn't take mid-range jumpers this team is a live and die by the three even tonight at times they were kind of passive aggressive going to the rim it seemed like they were just trying to shoot a lot of threes and a lot of these threes are tough too like give baylor credit they were hitting tough threes they're hitting step back threes bowler had at least three step back threes in this game like he was on fire this team is really good but i want to go big picture a little bit i know there's a lot to talk about with this game but college basketball you mentioned it's going to have its head flip next season with this new transfer rule that you don't have to sit out. The transfer portal is already filling up. It seems like every day a different guy is in the transfer portal. This incoming class is really, really prolific. You mentioned Chet and a lot of these other guys. This is a huge year for college basketball. Like this was maybe the last year of an era of college basketball that probably started in about 2017 that ended right now. Because prior to like 2016, 2015, that, that Duke team reminds me of something uh with julia local for uh Grayson allen those guys there that team was kind of the last team of a few guys stick around and then the new guys come in kind of like how this gonzaga team was built Uh, but that virginia
3: team was pretty experienced too though but i I think that i don't think we'll ever see a team like that virginia team. that's what i'm getting at
1: yeah i don't think that that's ever coming and you're right that virginia team that was a little bit of a weird circumstance how they won that title but that's i'm not even a texas fan but um But regardless, yeah, that, that Duke team, the reason I mentioned them in particular was because how good they were all season long. Like they were the title favorite. They ended the title favorite. Like they were just really, really good. And I think everyone knew like Jaleel Okafor is going to be like a top three pick. They had like that kind of talent on that team. So nowadays the movement is ridiculous in college basketball. Like we're already seeing it right now. A lot of these guys haven't declared where they're going yet, but you're going to see a lot of these programs stack up through transfers. If you're a five-star and you don't play your first year you're gone like you're just gone if you're the last guy in kentucky anymore forget it you're not gonna have that kentucky team where you have like seven nba guys on it anymore that's done so i'm just curious on if you guys think this is good for college basketball the future of college basketball all that stuff
2: i think it just really ushers in a new era i mean you have these eras throughout college basketball and you kind of move from them and you kind of see milestones where this you can see the shift happens like now I agree with you, X. I think there is a shift happening, especially with the amount of players that are going to be leaving college basketball this season. I mean, there's going to be some with the extra year of eligibility, but a lot of the big time players, big names are going to be gone after this season. And a lot of newer guys, a lot of guys who, especially this class, this class is amazing with Chet Holmgren, Jaden Hardy, uh, Patrick Baldwin. This is a crazy class that's coming in and especially to some of these big name schools. I mean, Duke is get, is going to be back next year. I think that's pretty safe to say with the amount of top 10 recruits that are coming in. I think this is the last time we'll really see, I mean, I can't say the last time, but one of the last times within the the coach K area uh, era that we're going to see like a team not be able to succeed as they did at this level. But it's, it's interesting to see like how, college basketball has really shifted to the NBA model. I mean, this year we saw the NBA, the three point line shift back because three pointers were getting so popular and it's, and I I bet eventually it'll get shift back even more just because of how reliant some teams are on the three. I think this, I, I like this new version of college basketball, but it's becoming increasingly like the NBA version where threes are everything and threes are the way to go as far as offensive efficiency.
3: Yeah, I think it spreads out the talent more evenly. So we'll have a more competitive regular season, but I think it also opens it up where we're going to have teams that are just head and shoulders above the other teams in the, in the tournament, like teams that play together, that'll just get hot. And there'll be a lot of teams that have one star and kind of a lot of other guys. And as we saw with Oklahoma state, Cade Cunningham and a lot of the other Uh, guys in this tournament that were one-man teams those teams are kind of easy to beat uh, with the way college basketball works
0: we're talking about the future of college basketball and kind of touching on two subjects here Jalen Suggs was one of the players who had the option of going to the G League instead of playing college he could have been getting paid but if he didn't have this tournament and really the better part of this season I don't think he gets drafted as high as he will because of him being on national television, obviously being in the national championship and even the RJ Hampton, LaMelo ball method that ate into college basketball a little bit because LaMelo was uh, officially going to go to UCLA. What, when he was a sophomore in high school. And then obviously the stuff with Leangelo happens and LaVar, and that's a whole different thing. And then RJ Hampton too goes to New Zealand might have been if he went to Syracuse and played really well, but then obviously COVID, so they didn't have a tournament, so he might not have gotten those games. He might have got it drafted like five, ten spots higher, but he was still, you know, drafted pretty high. So I think it's really interesting now. It do you want to go maybe not to a blue blood, but you're gonna have more solid talent, or do you want to go overseas, G League, get paid, get the experience? So it's a real interesting crossroads that college is in and a decision that I think the players are going to have to actually really think about and not just say, I'm going to go to Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. So I think this new wave has started with the 2021-2022 campaign. Well,
3: Suggs was a highly ranked recruit. So I don't know how much his draft stock improved, but I think this tournament probably made him like a ton of money in endorsements. Now he's entering the league and everyone knows Jalen Suggs, whereas guys like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who are probably just as good like no one knows who they are. Like Jalen Suggs is going to step into the league as a household name, and that's going to help him make a ton of money through endorsements. His jersey sales are going to be through the roof on day one. So like there is a little bit of an argument to make where you turn down the, the money for the G League, which I, some of the guys are making about $500,000. But then if you have a great college run, you might make that money back, you know, a couple times over. As soon, like it, basically as soon as Suggs declares for the draft, he's going to get, you know, everyone's going to, be throwing endorsement offers at him
0: I want to ask this question now because I kind of brought it up say Suggs had an early exit and didn't really play as well as he could have have a Cade Cunningham esque tournament would his draft stock really have plummeted or was he kind of now cemented top 10 He wouldn't have plummeted,
1: but I don't think he would have been top five where he is. Like, I think he moved up a little bit. Like, I think he gave himself a little bit of money. I don't think it was anything too dramatic. But here's my bigger picture question, too. Uh, You guys can answer that one first. But I I have one to follow up on that. From a business lens, right? If you're one of these NTA fools that runs this, right? Looking at what's going to happen, all this movement, isn't this a little worrisome? Because for example sport is a tv show right like we kind of get away from that sometimes but this is just like another season of a tv show we're on like season 100 of the ncaa right now whatever so next season right the next season is going to have a totally different cast of characters than this season but that's going to be at a totally different level than it's ever been at before and that's saying a lot because we've seen a lot of movement in college basketball the last two decades and so but that's going to get ramped up a bit And that's going to keep going until some stability follows somewhere, whatever happens. Maybe some schools start getting a lot of these transfers, guys, and that's how that works. But I think the movement is going to create something. Now, do you think that's good for college basketball, that every year it's going to be basically a whole new season with all new faces? From a fan standpoint, you're not going to really get those guys that stay three or four years anymore, especially if they're not playing as much as they want to. You're not going to get a lot of those seniors that are kind of those fan favorites. You're not going to see stuff like that anymore. Is that good for the sport and especially just fans that kind of care about stuff like
0: that? So I think from the one perspective, selfishly, we all see these guys play and then we go, oh, I can't wait for Jalen Suggs to be on my favorite NBA team. You know, I said it today.
1: I literally said it today. I typed in the chat like I can't this guy's a Celtic. I want him to be a Celtic or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's just so it's haphazardly. We all selfishly watch it, you know, when R.J. Barrett, Zion, I can't wait to see these guys play in the NBA, blah, blah, blah. But then you think of the fiber of college basketball, what it's built on. What if Christian Leitner never played? What if Grayson Allen never tripped way too many people over four years at Duke? It, The fabric and the intertwinings of the sport are gone without those two guys, not just because they went to Duke, but because they were the universal villain and everybody who wasn't a Duke fan loved to hate them. Did you so without them, it kind of loses a little a little something. Cause now we won't have guys to hate because everyone's gonna play, get their T V time, and then go get that big payday in the NBA. So I think we'll miss I, that. But selfishly, I think more people care about the NBA and their favorite team than than the local college.
3: But I, I think it's going to change how we look at players like the guys that were in the 80s, like Patrick Ewing, we all remember him as a Georgetown player. But now the guys that are in the NBA, I don't think we think of any of them as college players because guys like Olajuwon and Ewing were around for four years playing in like multiple national title games and making a legacy out of it. And now, now, like I said, the, the guys are out after one year and they're not making a college legacy. It. I'm not sure if that's that's a good thing or a bad thing, but.
0: And even even look at Jalen Suggs, Kate, Kate Cunningham. They're the new shiny object. Luka Garza's been here, and we're seriously talking about will he be a first-round pick. Luka Garza's been one of the more dominant. Now, obviously, his play style may not translate to the NBA, all that jargon. But he's been here and established and brought Iowa from nothing to a serious threat. But we're obsessed with the new thing, the young guy. one who's going to go a lottery pick so i think losing the veteran presence will affect the sport but then you know every year is your year when you're a college basketball fan so i think we'll get over it rather quick
2: then you do look at the guys who actually stayed those four years and then get drafted high like a chris dunn or a buddy healed guys that were landmark people within their programs yet they when they get drafted they get drafted high, but that, but also because their game fits the NBA. If you look at Luka Garza, as you brought up, Stephen, I mean, his game doesn't match the NBA at all. Same with Kamer Krutwig. Kamer Krutwig was an excellent player in college, but does he have a place in the NBA? Most likely not. And those are those borderline players that while you could, if they're taken out of the draft while they're young, you look at them and you can, and you say that's a project, you can work on a project, but by the time that they're coming out of the NBA, they're 22, 21, and NBA, te- NBA teams don't like that. They want them in their system right away. That's why they like a, like a Jalen, Suggs, Jalen Suggs so much and a Cade Cunningham, because they're so young and they're able to fit that system within, they're able to de- be developed within that system over a period of
0: time.
3: Well, Well, like the reason Buddy Heald was there for four years is because he wasn't an NBA player until his fourth year. Like his first year, he was at he was barely playing, averaging like two, three points a game. Like these guys aren't being college legends for multiple years. They kind of maybe they'll be good their junior and senior year and then they'll leave. But it seems like as soon as they become great, they're gone.
1: So I have something to put a bow on this real quick. So insider.com a few weeks ago named the 14 best players in the NBA right now. Okay. The only guy, the only guy on this list that made any sort of impact at his university that you still remember probably and mattered in March was Steph Curry at Davidson. That's the Mm -hmm. only guy. So other guys on this list were like Jason Tatum. He was a one and done. Luka didn't go to college. Guys like that. Damian Lillard went to Weber State. Kevin Durant was practically a footnote at Texas over a decade ago. No one really cares that he went there anymore. Kawhi Leonard went to San Diego State. You really don't remember that unless you're a diehard college basketball fan. If you look at all those things, the only guy in the league right now in the top 14, I don't know why 14 was the number they chose, (laughs) that made an impact in March was Steph Curry. So I think that's saying a lot about how these guys translate to the NBA and kind of the state of college basketball right now. Because if you looked at that 30 years ago, that list would basically be all guys that made an impact in March, all guys that stayed Mm -hmm. for a long time. It has changed dramatically, and I think it's gotten only worse the last, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years.
0: And to Ethan's point before, you look at Obi Toppin and Doug McDermott, two of the better college players in recent memory. Doug McDermott's an NBA journeyman, and Obi Toppin is older than some second, third-year player on the Knicks, and he hasn't found a role yet, so... I guess it depends when you want to bet on yourself, but now with this rule that if you don't get drafted, you can come back. I'm not really a huge fan of that because I think if you think an NBA team thinks you're good enough and you leave your college, you shouldn't have that net to fall back on and then come back. Cause you, you overrated your own ability.
1: Who's the well, last it's also like, super good March guy. That really was like a great player, Anthony Davis. He wasn't on the list because he was hurt, but I guess that's the answer. It, yeah, he was for sure. He,
3: yeah, he won the championship. He was like Final Four Most Outstanding Player. I mean, he won every he won every major award that year. But like, we that's still not even a major part of his career. As soon as you become a star in the NBA, you, like you forget a, you get forgotten I think about. People genuinely forget how
1: good he was. Yeah, yeah. If I you look at him, he might have been
3: like the the greatest one of the greatest college seasons ever he won every major award he was like first team all-american he was the naismith wooden award defensive player of the year who's the most outstanding player of the tournament like anthony
0: davis was incredible and no no one mentions that before he even put on a new orleans hornets uniform he had a national championship and a gold medal yeah i think the like most recent guy that it's still talked about
1: is a March Madness legend is Kemba Walker. I, I think that's the only guy that really comes to mind. Everyone still remembers what he did at UConn, the step back. I think that was kind of a cultural thing. You want to know another guy who was really, really good that people just forget was really, really good in college? is Draymond Green. Like, he was integral mm-hmm. to those Michigan State teams, and mm-hmm. he played a big part of that. You look at the other guys, it's like Trey Burke. He's not really doing anything right now. Evan Turner, uh, he's now like an assistant coach for the Celtics. Um, Brandon Clark, at Gonzaga just a few years ago. It seems like everyone forgets where he goes to college or went to college rather. Victor Oladipo is one of my favorites because he was electric at Indiana and he was really good with Cody Zeller and just no one cares about that anymore. So yeah, I think that's just kind of this weird dynamic going on. Aaron Harrison, if you can add that
2: name to the list. It just, it, it's it kind of started uh, back Back at the early 2000s, when players started to leave before actually going to college, you had like Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, LeBron James, players who skipped college altogether just just to go straight to the NBA, of course, and they got rid of that and went to the one-year rule, but it's that trend of players where they're not really known for what they do in college started at that moment and continued and has continued through now. And it's kind of taken a toll on college basketball overall. I mean, you don't have those Christian Leitners, those Michael Jordans, even at, at during his time in nor at North Carolina, you yeah, don't Michael Jordan those... was
3: like a four-year player. Like that, that that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: My, the greatest player of all time, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was a four-year player at UNC. And in, LeBron James the probably runner up at the moment didn't even go to college I mean and if and even if he did he would have only been there for a year it's crazy how college basketball and the NBA have shifted tones between how many years they're playing in college and how many years they get to develop before reaching the NBA
0: well that way I also think it speaks to the fact that kind of because of the influx of European players coming in, they're playing professional basketball at like 16. So if Luka Doncic went to college, I don't think he would have gotten drafted three because we would have seen him for a while and be like, oh, he came out of nowhere. But because he played in Europe for Real Madrid, had to grow up really quickly. That's why, He's adapted so fast, and now one of the top players in the NBA because of that reason, not going to college.
3: I would have loved to see what Luca could have done in college. <laughs> I think if you put him in the NCA, he might have averaged a thirty-point triple-double. I don't, know. <laughs> but th- but then maybe he would have had a coach that hated it and was and was pulling him every time he takes a step-back three. Like some of these coaches are are ridiculous. So I don't know.
0: I think a seventeen-year-old Luca Doncic, in the NCAA tournament would have been one of the most out-of-body experiences because you see this point guard who you've never seen before doing things that you haven't seen in recent memory against people that will grow up to be accountants, I think would have been riveting television, like X was saying, (laughs) how sports is just one TV show that goes on year after year.
1: I just – here's my thing, right? So there's a lot of pride with these schools. There's a lot of pride with these players. It's pretty cool that you're like, oh, Katie, you went to Texas and, and all this stuff. Is that going to go away if these guys continue to keep trying to skip college? Because I think college is so valuable for a lot of these players' development. Even though they may not have these incredible March memories like I talked about, A lot of those guys at least played really well in college, and I can guarantee you they think, at least in some capacity, they improved from the start of their freshman year to the end of it. And I think having coaches, like if you go to Duke, right, Coach K has coached some of the greatest players in the world with Team USA and just at Duke in general, right? And when Roy Williams was still at UNC, the amount of players he coached just as an assistant from at UNC to Kansas to then at UNC again – like these guys know what they're doing and these are top level guys. If you're only getting there and transferring and all this stuff, trying to work in these transfer guys, is it going to have that same impact? I feel like that's going to be really hard to kind of coach these guys up when you're trying to get, oh, the St. John's transfer that averaged only 12 points last year. That was a five star. You got to get him in. And then, oh, now you have the top 20 recruit that you don't want to lose because you don't want him to be the seventh man. Because if he's the seventh man, he'll transfer. So kind of building that puzzle piece, I just think that's going to be really difficult for a lot of these guys. And it's not really their fault either.
3: I'm interested to see what happens. Cause if Jalen green and Jonathan Kaminga come into the league, what if they just look way more ready than any, anyone that went to college, like that could completely flip everything on its head. And we haven't seen that yet. Cause we haven't, there's been a couple of G league guys, but it wasn't top guys in the class. And at the G league, they're being coached to win and to become NBA players. Whereas if you play at Duke, I mean, Coach K is going to try to help you become an NBA player, but at the end of the day, you're being coached to win a national championship, and you're being coached to fall in line with a team, whereas I think the G League's more focuses on, like, individual improvement. So I'm very interested to see what the, what these G League guys look like on day one compared to the college guys.
0: What I'm interested to see is with this transfer portal and all these new rules and regulations How are the bottom-tier Power Five conference teams going to fare? Because two of the first overall picks in recent memory, Ben Simmons and Anthony Edwards, both went to SEC schools, but they went to LSU, who hasn't really done much up until then since Shaquille O'Neal, and then Anthony Edwards goes to Georgia. So are more of them going to try to team up in less popular places to maybe try to form an edge over Kentucky and then the ACC Duke. So I think that'll be interesting if they team up, maybe not in the expected spot, but they still try to play together in college.
1: I have a really strange take about a really random guy. So in high school, I saw this guy a lot. His name's Terrence Ferguson. He went to the NBL. He's one of the first guys mm-hmm. kind of from this generation to do that. He has not looked good really for long stretches of his NBA career. He's showing some flashes. But for the majority part, he just has not looked good at all. And I believe he's a free agent still. I think he cleared waivers. He's still looking for employment. He was one of those guys who skipped college. I think he would have uh, benefited dramatically if he went. And he has a lot of potential, like he he does. But I think he's always been playing catch-up. So that's kind of something that I've looked for. And I think the G League is a little bit better than the NBL. I don't really know how that works necessarily, like the skill gap there. And the coaching is probably a little bit better as well. But, you know, just all together, we've seen a lot of guys like Terrence Ferguson do that. Killian Hayes was going to be like a top three pick. Like he was that hyped up. And he just hasn't really amounted to much yet in his early career either. And this seems to be a trend. So I think college does mean
3: a lot. That's- yeah, for the guy, there's a couple other guys that skipped too. Brandon Jennings is one of the biggest names. He was a top recruit at Oak Hill. And he played in Italy. And then the other one was Emmanuel Moutier, who I think was top 10 in his class, was committed to SMU. And then he ended up playing in China and he, he flamed out as well. So there hasn't been a good track record, but I mean, maybe Emmanuel Moutier was going to suck no matter what. So uh, that's why I'm, because Jalen Green Jonathan Kuminga are top four in the class. There's two of them. So there's more sample sizes. So I, I, I really want to see what that looks like.
1: Going back on Theo's point, I don't know if you guys remember, but Darius Baisley was a five-star recruit. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. He went to the G League, and so far in the NBA, he hasn't been that great. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he hasn't been – he wasn't as talented as Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga are. But, I mean, he's like the first, like, noticeable
3: five-star guy that went to the G League route. And so far, it's not looking too good for him.
1: He's had a decent year, but I think he also is having a decent year because he's on OKC, and that's just yeah. not that hard to do nowadays. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean, it's it's easy to have a decent year when you're playing 30 minutes a game. You're allowed to take 11 shots a game. Like, his shooting splits aren't good at all. Like, he's putting up forty, percent Yeah, he's 40%, but he's shooting under 40%. 40 yeah, and he's shooting under 30% from three. So I, I've watched him a lot because I've watched a lot of Thunders games. But he, he plays decent defense, and his playmaking's getting there, but his shooting ability is terrible. Takes a lot of bad shots. So as far as an offensive end guy, he has not been refined at all, and I think he would have benefited from that too. So that's a great point. I just want to know, like, when is that going to stop, right? So if Green kind of pans out I, – I think Green is the more popular of the two. So if Green doesn't necessarily live up to the hype right away, what does that say for this path? Like, is this going to basically die before it really even gets a true track? That's kind of my thing with that.
2: I don't think there's any way that this is, I mean, I shouldn't say there isn't any way, but these kids are still getting money. And I think that's a key factor within this is that they're still getting endorsement deals and getting paid if they're going to the G League, which in college, obviously, they're not getting paid anything. Although they're getting exposure and a nice amount of, like if they go far in the tournament, a nice amount of TV
1: time, but these kids are still getting paid. I'm pretty no, would, sure. No, Ethan, would getting their likeness up. change that would, would obtaining the rights to their likeness change that you think? Cause that's oh, something yeah. that the NCAA I, could I,
2: do. I think they, I think the NCAA should allow kids to make money off their own likeness. I I'm honestly appalled that it hasn't happened yet. I don't know if there's any way for, realistically for colleges to pay players directly, but the fact that they're not able to make money off their own name is kind of sickening you know in a weird way it's the N.C.A. kind of forcing these kids into a bubble and not really allowing them to break out and allow themselves to get bigger and allow the, their name to grow because who knows how long this fame is going to last for i mean most of these guys Aren't going to be big time NBA players, aren't going to have those endorsement deals and be famous. They need to take advantage of what they have at the
1: moment. And the NCAA is closing them down. I know Ethan, kind the, went- the perfect example of that would be Johnny Juzang. Like, is Johnny Juzang going to ever have the amount of hype in his life that he has right now? Like, that man could definitely cash in right now, whether he released a t shirt, like that said, like Johnny time mm-hmm. or, or whatever, it made a TikTok that blew up, you know, stuff like that. Like, he would be getting the bag right now because of his performance and you know a guy like Suggs it doesn't really matter because like I said he's probably gonna have a long career or get a lot of endorsements you know that, that's a guy that doesn't really need to worry about that but a guy like Johnny Juzang who may not have that long of an NBA career that might not pan out that means a lot for him that he is at the level of fame he is right now so yeah I think you brought up a great point.
3: If the NCAA just ran like how it should and was fair to the athletes there wouldn't be a need for a path like the G League. Uh, Like the the NCAA being incompetent is the reason that we're seeing players take these other paths.
0: Yeah. And I think if Jalen Suggs were to have gone to the G league, the amount of exposure and money he will make from after this tournament and being up on the table, obviously in this deep run, this definitely succeeds what he would have made playing in the G league for a team that we don't know their name and would see highlights once every three weeks. And he's going to be a top five pick. So, for but, him, but everyone th- can't be Jalen Suggs. Like Everyone's not going to be
3: on the team that goes to the title game is the thing. Only two teams go to the title game. Four teams go to the Final Four.
0: Unfortunately, college basketball season's over. We are all out of time. A big thanks to Ethan and Theo for joining me the whole time. Armand and X, big thanks to you guys for joining. I will be back tomorrow night. So thank you all for listening thank you guys for joining and have a good night.
3: Thank you guys. Thank you.